Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog one time for the underdog. I'm Patrick B.W., host of IT Minute. Today we're sitting down with the coach of the Bears, Mike Ditka. Today I'm sitting with a person here that won Super Bowl as a player, Super Bowl as an assistant coach, Super Bowl as a coach, and the only one to have scored as a player in the Super Bowl. I know Tom Flores also did it on those three categories, but you're the only one that scored a touchdown in Super Bowl, and that's one other, none other than Mike Ditka. So, Mike. Uh, Coach Shitka, thank you so much for making the time, for coming with us. So there you go. That's your resume yeah. on what you've done. I am fascinated by your competitive spirit. And when I read about you and I hear the stories with your father, Pittsburgh, all this other stuff, I kind of want to go back and ask you the simple question of who was Mike Ditka? Before Coach Ditka, who was Mike Ditka in high school? Twelve years old or 11, I guess eighth grade, what is that? And, and I played on a, I went to a Catholic grade school, so I played, we had a little football team and I played there. and. Then, of course, the next year I went to ninth grade at the, at the uh, big high school, and I went out for football. I got killed. I, I, I don't know. I'm not here anymore because I got killed. You know, and I like football, but I was a pretty good baseball player. So the next year I uh, I went out again as a sophomore, and I got killed more because <laughs> I only weighed 130 pounds. So you were, my, you were not good no, at this? No, I was small. And then between my sophomore and junior year in high school, I grew to about 5'11", and I went up to 100. And, 65, 70 pounds. Wow. And I started on the state championship football team. And not because I was a great player, because I had a great coach who believed in me and took me aside and taught me how to do the things I had to do to become a good team player. And I played offense and defense, and uh, that's the way it was. I mean, I, was, I played both ways. In college, most of what I did was on defense, not offense. Most of what you did in college was on was defense. I think my senior year, I think I caught like 15 passes. Mm. But I played defensive end and linebacker. That's where I got all the notoriety. And when I went into Pro Bowl, anybody that drafted me outside of the Bears, I probably would have been a linebacker. George, really, and George Ellis, uh, when, when, I, when he drafted me, I, I went in and talked to him, and he said, uh, and I assume I was playing defense, mm -hmm. I really did. And he said, we're gonna, we're gonna create uh, the position of tight end, and you're gonna play tight end. And I said, coach, I, my, my senior in college, I caught 12. 16 passes, some, you know, come crazy. He said, well, it'll work out, we're gonna be okay. And, and it was. I had two good coaches and Coach Hallis and a couple other guys, they were old school, but they taught me the basics, you know. Football is basics, you know, it's, it's tackling, it's blocking, it's execution. And they taught me uh, the thing called blocking. And I, I was pretty good at it, so, mm. you know. And once in a while I'd hold somebody. <laughs> yeah, once in a while. So, so I know you said your first year when he came out, uh, the year before, you said 12 or 15 catches, but your first year in the NFL, you had 58 with 12 touchdowns. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, it was unheard of. Was, was tight end a common, you know, philosophy position back then for coaches or not really? No, that, it, was, it really was created right around that time. There were a couple in the league. Uh, I can't John Mackey came in the year after me. Uh, Ron Kramer was up in Green Bay. There were a couple guys, a couple guys out in San Francisco. I had a quarterback named Bill Wade, God rest his soul. He just liked to throw the football to me because I caught it. And after I caught it, I would have fun running with it. So he, 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 he made me, I didn't make me. After we won the championship in 63, in 64 we lost uh, two guys in a car accident down in training camp, two great football players. And uh, 
Uh, so uh, Johnny Morris and I had, you know, were the leading receivers on the team. Uh, in 1964, after the 63 season, between us, he caught 98 balls and I caught like uh, 70. And it, in that time, it was unheard of. But we weren't a good team. We were not a good team. Now, the year after that, we became a good team because we got a guy named Gil, uh, Gil Sayers. He's kind of a good uh, running yeah, team. Yeah, him and Butchers. We got him and Butchers the next year, and we became a real good football team. So, and we didn't win it that year. Baltimore beat us out by one game, but uh, we were really a good team in 65. So, going back, where did your work ethic come from? Your work ethic, your, your discipline, your mindset. Parents. Parents? You know, we, we, never, we were never given anything or expecting anything, you know. Uh, to our backs, I can remember I had to have a paper route. When I came home, uh, whatever I made on the paper route, I gave to my parents. They gave me an allowance. I never had, you know, it was, that, that's the way it was. Even when I was in high school, I, I had a job working for the borough or, or for the swimming pool or lifeguarding. I gave the check to my parents. They gave me an allowance. That's the way it was. I mean, that's the way I was raised. And, and this is uh, Pittsburgh? Yeah, it, Aliquip, a steel mill town right outside of Pittsburgh in, in, in the heyday. JNL still employed 35,000 people, but now it might, might employ 3,500, maybe. But the work ethic was fantastic. Get up, go to work, take your lunch bucket. And that, that was the way we, the, that's where all the, the adults lived. Did you watch your dad? Did you watch your family work hard? Or was it a conversation? Was it like, when was your dad coming home every night? Was he a five day a week guy? Was he my working dad, six days my a week? My dad had a routine. He went to work, uh, he left the house probably right before seven. He probably got home about five, but the reason he got home at five, he could have got home at four, but he stopped, they all stopped at the tavern, see? They'd have their four or five beers. And that's, then he come home, dinner had to be ready, he had dinner, and uh, you know, he'd get cleaned up, probably go back to the tavern. That's what they, that's mm. all they did. But I can guarantee you one thing, he was self-taught. He could work any crossword puzzle you put in front of him, he would work. Now, that's pretty good, darn good wow. for a guy that had an eighth grade education. It was good. My dad's the same, eighth grade yeah, education. Yeah. Competitive spirit, is that in your blood or is that, uh, was the family saying, hey, Mike, how fast are you gonna run? Who's better than you? Who's the, was there that conversation or was it just you, your DNA? I learned a long time ago, if you, want, if you like to lose, you'll lose. I didn't like to lose at anything. Uh, probably that was wrong as a kid, growing up in Little League Baseball and that, but I didn't like to lose at anything. I wanted to win. What's and wrong I, with that? Why do you say but maybe it was wrong? What's, what's I think anytime you compete, you compete with the idea of you're trying to win. Now you may not. And then if you don't win, you gotta be a good sport about it. But uh, when I was growing up, I think the winning thing became, we became obsessed with it, I mean, really. And I was fortunate too, you know, I played on a good high school football team that won the state championship. And, and it wasn't, it was because of the coach, we know, and, and the players we had. But it, it was fun growing up there, I mean, uh, you know, nobody, nobody had any more than you or less than you. We were all about the same. I mean, all our parents worked in the mill, mm -hmm. or, or, or my dad worked on the railroads that serviced the mill, but that's all we had. I mean, no, nobody had any more than anybody else, but it was okay. We did good. Do you think a part of competition is within the individual, or you think, do you think that's created? I think you have to have the genes for it. There's no Got question it. about okay. it. I, I really do. Uh, you're right. Everybody can uh, come, come from the same, uh, same parents, and. One, one person will be super competitive, the other one will say, they'll go with the flow. Mm. I guess that was one of the super competitive ones. And I wanted that. I wanted to try harder. I mean, I, and I had to when I was young because I was a smaller guy and I wasn't, but then as I got bigger, you know, things got better for me. But uh, I can still think back to, uh, you know, nine, ten years old playing baseball and how competitive I was at how much I loved it. When I first started playing baseball, Little League was played in my, that's how long ago it was played. It just started. It just started, so I played Little League Baseball. And you were super competitive at that time? Yeah. 
So coming up to the next level, you're playing in high school. You're at 130 pounds, and you go 5'11", 165 pounds. So now you got some size. You're playing the three sports. With their other kids you played with, where you said, that guy's way more talented than me, faster than me, stronger than me, but there's no way in the world that guy can outwork me or outcompete me. Were there guys like that at every phase that you went through? Yeah, about 20 or 30 of them every phase. Yeah, I, and I think you, you make a good point. Uh, the attitude the individual has to work at it. I mean, you know, you can't get better by doing nothing. You know, if you want to be a better hitter, you better learn to hit. You know, if you want to be a better hitter of field. Same with football. You know, you got to strengthen the body, and I don't care how you do it, whether you lift weights or you do it through conditioning. But you, you know, you, your body can only take so much. I mean, football today, the players are bigger, they're faster, and they're stronger than when I played the game. So when you have a collision in football now, it's much greater than what we had. And ours were pretty good, but it's much greater. So, and you know, you get two, you know, in the law of physics, you got two bodies moving at a high rate of speed, something's gonna give. How do you fix that? I don't think you can. I, I think people are bigger, faster, stronger, like I said, and, and the game is, uh, the risk of injury is, is much greater probably even today than it was 30 years ago. Because the guys are just, I mean, they're, they're better athletes, but by being that, you're moving at a higher rate of speed and the collisions are like greater. So what do you do? I mean, you know the, whole, you know the whole CT, know. you had a quarterback, McMahon, that he went yeah. through, you know, yeah. his own issues, and you've seen it all the time with Seau and all these other no. stories. Because to me, this is how I look at it. So you have boxing. You had Tyson, Evander, you know, yeah. Riddick Ball, yeah. these guys have come along. And then it was kind of trying to protect the players and all these things, protect the fighters. And then Dana White comes out and says, hey, how about UFC, MMA? There is no, I mean, there is some protection. Like you can't knead a guy on the ground and drop your knee on his face. You do that, you're gonna get a loss. But they're going all out. I know. Do you think the NFL is making a mistake by bringing it back and trying to make it safer for the quarterbacks? You, you see what happened with Green Bay. You know, the guy gets three sacks he gets each game. He gets a flag for each one of them and each of them look pretty good. Well, I think the intent is, is right. I mean, you're always trying to protect the player from injury. But how do you do it? What do you do? Do you tell a player who's rushing, he, here's his whole key, he's on defense. His job is to go get the quarterback. Mm. So all of a sudden, when you go to get the quarterback, you're, rate, you're moving at a high rate of speed. What do you, how do you change That's that? What I'm saying. Now I understand yeah. about driving the guy on the yeah. ground, but it's a natural thing. Once yeah. you wrap a guy up, you take him to the ground. I mean, I watched the penalty on, on the kid from Green Bay, and I disagree with it totally, because I don't think he was out to hurt anybody. He was taking the guy to the mm -hmm. ground. Naturally, when you take a guy to the ground, his body's usually underneath yours. You fall on top of him. I, I, I don't know how you can change. I think you gotta be careful that you don't legislate football out of football. I mean, it, wow. it's a contact sport. I mean, and, and it's more than a contact sport, it's a collision sport. It, it is what it is. I mean, I didn't make the rules. I, I played the game for a long time, wouldn't change it for anything. But you, you gotta be careful that, you know, you say, well, does it make it a better game? Does it make it any mm. safer? I don't know if it does. If NFL went this phase and said, look, our concern is making everything safe. So why don't we go from contact to flag? Do you think they would lose viewership? They would what? lose viewership. If they went purely from contact to flag, flag, they would lose viewership, right? Would you, would you watch it? I would never watch never. it. <laughs> so that's the point. So, so the question becomes for you, do you think there's a outside chance that another league that allows more physicality can come and compete against the NFL and get viewers kind of like what UFC did to boxing? I, I, I don't know if that, that's possible right now. The NFL is, uh, the game is good. I mean, I understand what the league's trying to do. They're trying to, you know, but the risk of injury when you play the sport, I'm sorry, it's there. It's like boxing. If you don't think you're gonna get whacked when you're a boxer, yeah. then you, you, you're dreaming. It's just part of the, part of the game. 
but I can understand what they're trying to do in keeping it as safe as possible. But you can't legislate football out of football because it's no longer football. Then you play tag. Even Aaron Rodgers said, you know, I don't think I like the direction it's going. He's a quarterback. I know. And he disagreed with the call. He's a quarterback and saying, hey, the guy tackles him. Yeah. He says, this isn't a bad yeah, hit. Why are you flagging him? He's, he's trying to protect the linebacker. Exactly. I thought that was pretty interesting what he was doing. Well, I tell you what, uh, Aaron Rodgers is first class. I mean, he's the best. So, uh, you know, I would listen to him if I was uh, um, the league. I hope they do. I hope they do because uh, viewership goes and then the business goes. You know, that when, when the interesting part, because you're a coach, you, you know, as a fan, we watch you on sidelines, you're not teaching hesitation. So I'm just thinking, I'm a linebacker, I'm going to you, and that thought, I'm hesitating, you don't want me to hesitate as a... It's react. That's react, Insta so you react. Instantaneous react. But this is making me hesitate. Yeah, exactly. And I think it will make people hesitate. But I mean, it, 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 in theory it will. But once you're on the field, I don't know how you can hesitate. You have to fire the gun. And that's just what they do. Yeah, sometimes too much regulation, just like it hurts business, too much regulation hurts sports as well. And it's, I, I don't know the answer well, to the gotta, question you know, I'm asking gotta, you because I'm curious I, to know what you what think I'm about it. What I'm trying to say, I, I, I agree in idea of preventing injuries. If you can prevent them, fine. But there's no guarantee you can. The game is just, uh, it's a physical game. These are big bodies colliding yeah. at a high rate of speed, and usually something's got to give. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So uh, coaching career, uh, Coach, I mean, you dealt with a lot of different personalities. You dealt with, you know, uh, the owner, Hallis, who, you know, gave you $18,000, and next year he wanted to give you a raise to $14,000, you know, and well, you're like, what are you talking about? It wasn't about? quite that way, but it was close. You know, but I don't, I, I, I wouldn't change any of that. I mean, at the time, I never understood it, but it was a learning process. You know, you know, you tell somebody, I, my first year contract was $12,000, but you know, in those days, this was 1961, so I got, and I got, and I got a bonus, a signing bonus of 6000 now 12 and 6 is 18. Now I can't, I can figure that out. I'm not a genius. So after the year I made Rookie of the Year and All-Pro and so I went in to have a contract and we, everything was face to face with Mr. Hallis and uh, I said, you know, he, and he said, you know, kid, you had a pretty good year and this and that and then he pulls out this shit, but you know, you missed curfew and I had to fine you for this and that. And he's right, I did. But, uh, and he fined me for it. But he says, but I'm still going to give you a raise. He said, I'm going to pay you 14. I said, Coach, there's something the matter with that. He said, what do you mean? I said, I made 12, and then six, that, that's 18. I said, now you want to pay me 14, you're cutting my salary. Uh, I said, I wouldn't sign for a penny less than 18. As soon as I said that, he opened the drawer, pulled out a contract for 18,000, and I signed it. And you know, you say, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna get ahead of him. I mean, I thought it was smart. I thought, well, I showed him. Yeah, I really showed him. I'm making the same thing I made last year. But so what? It was worth it. I wouldn't change it for anything. And the, and the question I wanted to ask you is personality-wise, because you got a strong personality, right? Like, you know what you want, you're confident, you're coming through. I thought I did. Well, yeah, I mean, you obviously made it to, to the top level in multiple different positions. But for yourself, what did you learn? Like, I'm a CEO, I run a financial firm, I have a lot of different people I deal with personality-wise. Entrepreneurs watching this, they run businesses, sales, customers, partners, vendors, all these other things. Throughout the process of coming up, what did you learn on how to deal with different personalities? Did you finally come up with a clear philosophy that worked for you when it comes down to working with other well, personalities? Whatever, whatever you set, whatever the rules, the philosophy you set for your organization or your company or your team, 
It has to apply to everybody. It can't be different. It can't be one thing for Walter Payton and the next thing for this guy and the next thing for that guy. Got it it has to be uniform. Everybody has to abide by the rule. You have to have the same goals. And, and then, you know, what we try to create, and I learned this through Coach Landry in Dallas, you, you try to create goals, and then you, you, you try to create methods to reach those goals, mm. and reasonable or outstanding or whatever. But if you say, okay, we want to win the uh, NFC East or West or Central, mm -hmm. or whatever it is, what do you got to do? Well, you know what you got to do? You got to come away with at least four wins against Green Bay, Minnesota, and Detroit. You come out of there four and two, now you got a better chance. Hmm. If you don't, you probably got no chance at all. I mean, and that doesn't guarantee you're going to get it, I'm saying. But you got to control what you can control, that's your division. That doesn't mean you're going to win the NFL because the teams outside your division are just as good. But it starts inside your division, and that's what we try to do. We broke it down that way. The Bears, we play Green Bay and Detroit, Minnesota. We got we got to come out of there four and two at least. We were fortunate to know that we had good years where we came out five and one. We had bad years where we came out two and four. I mean, but who were tougher personalities? I mean, you played. Uh, I mean, you go through histories. Sayers, okay, Gail, okay. So you got uh, Peyton. Uh, uh, Peyton. You got Perry. You got you know Owner Hallis, Landry, Buddy Ryan. Who was like who was more difficult and more driven than you that you work? You're like I'm the most driven guy I know. Was there anybody like this guy wants to win more no, than I, I do? No, nobody. Nobody was uh, wanted to achieve or be better. Nobody you ever nobody, met in the game nobody, wanted more than you. More no than Walter Payton. Nobody oh, okay, okay. had the drive and the initiative and the desire to be the best that Walter had. Wow. He was, and he was, and he was. He really was the best. But people don't know. You don't. You don't get to be the best by you know saying, well, he was. He was gifted with a a good body, and and uh, he wasn't the fastest guy. He wasn't the strongest guy, but pound for pound, he probably was. But he worked hard at everything. You know, he made himself who he was. Uh, he made a total commitment to being the best. And he, I still think he was the best that I've ever seen. So was he the guy in the locker room that made everybody calm? Did he bring them up? Was he poised? Who, who, he wasn't who, a big speaker. He wasn't we, a big no, speaker. We had a lot of guys on our defense and uh, sure. Hampton and Singletary and those guys who, uh, who were a little more vocal and they did speak up and they, they got our team up. But uh, Walter, Walter was a great example of, of doing by example. And that's what he did. He did it by example, and uh, it was a good example. And, and you know where it started? It started on the practice field. If you're the first one out there and the last one off, that's what he was. And he worked as hard as anybody else. Now you're saying, why? Why does he have to do that? I mean, he's Walter Payton. Mm -hmm. But he did. I don't know why he did. He did. And you find the great ones are like that. They might be in the batting cage a little longer than the other guy. You read stories about him that's unbelievable. Yeah, Some yeah. of the stories about him, you're like, he was doing this? Yeah, he was doing this nonstop yeah. in his legs and his, yeah, exactly. all the stories and, people and, tell. And, and, and really pound for pound, I mean, his strength was amazing. It really was. His strength? Strength. He, I mean, he, and he worked at it. But most of what he did really was uh, he ran the hills. Mm -hmm. That's he what ran, I hear. Yeah, yeah. said so some hills out there and he ran them. And you, know, you try to do that up and down. <laughs> now, you talk about getting your knees and your, your ankles and everything else in shape. You really do. I, I couldn't uh, come down the stairs right now, but I'm just saying, in the old days, we did all that stuff. So Peyton would be at the top, a guy that wanted it more than you. Where you in, felt in, like my, it, in my opinion. In your opinion. So you work with, again, different personalities. Hallis, 
Landry, in Landry, when you talk about Landry, you get emotional. I'm curious to know what it was with Landry when you worked with him that he was different. Because he brought you in at a time, he made yeah. the phone call, he says, honestly, I I, yeah, you were done. And he gave you a shot and it kind of worked out. So well, how was it working with Landry? What was his approach of leadership with you? He, he was the most uh, organized guy I've ever been around. So he was I mean, a really, system he, guy. He totally, totally organized and he had, he had a, you know, we, we have to do this, 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 and that. And it really, and he broke it down and he made us believe that. And if we did those things, good things came. I mean, we, we, we went through, uh, a lot of great players in Dallas. They drafted good and they did a lot of good things. But we, we, don't, we had a lot of players that were good players that didn't end up there because he, he changed it. He brought people in that were going to be team players. He wanted the team. He didn't care about the, you know, you're going to have some mm -hmm. stars. I mean, Roger Straubach was a star, mm -hmm. but he was a team star. And, you know, and the same thing with the other guys we had playing at that time. I mean, we had good running backs. We had, uh, I mean, nobody would know who that, uh, you know, uh, we had two tight ends, um, I say, myself and, and another guy. And, uh, we, but, you know, it was just a good, good team. And, and the defense was the best part of it. You know, we had Bob Lillies and Leroy Jordans and those guys, and they were the best part of the, what the Cowboys had. But no matter when you play a team sport like football, you've got it, one side's got to complement the other. And if you have a great defense and a great offense and your special teams stink, you won't win anything. So it, you know, it's everything. It, you gotta make everybody get involved. Well, the guy says, well, all I do is I cover kicks and punts. Well, you better cover them as good as anybody in the world. And, and then that's what you tell them. And you know, I've seen a lot of great players start out by being guys that cover on kickoffs and punts and stuff like that. They went on to become great linebackers in the league. Was Landry a guy, his strength, was it a one-on-one -on -one strength? Was he a locker room strength? Was he a group strength like what was land was organized. he a psychology he was, guy? Was he, he was totally organized in everything that he did you know it was more organized than, than anything i've ever been around uh, we had meetings we had long meetings we, and, but there was a purpose to everything we did and he made it understandable you know you can't get better by saying you're going to get better you get be, you're going to get better if you work on this and this mm -hmm. you know i can't tell you that, that, that uh, you know how much time he spent, well, we call it an angle block. An angle block for a tight end. You split this far from your tackle, you're blocking down on the defensive end. Now, those guys are usually pretty good players, but you learn to do that. I can't tell you how much time we, we took with that. With the tackle, and tackle, maybe pull around and get the linebacker, you got to angle block the end. You do it enough, you believe it, you can do it against anybody. I mean, I'm about the, the greatest players in the, in the league. And uh, yeah, you know, Willie Davis, whoever. They were great, but you, you have to do it. That's your job. He's my man, I gotta block him. I don't care who it is. What was Hallis's strength? Like, what was he good at? Was he purely a business guy, or did he, did, well, was there some things you, you picked you, up from you, him? You gotta, you gotta understand, uh, where Coach, when he, he's one of the original four or five guys that started the National Football League. So, you know, it was hard for him to see the change, you know, he, you know, he had Red Grange. I mean, I think he paid Red Grange probably uh, the biggest salary in football, probably ever heard of until I don't know what year it would be, but you know, you're talking about a game that was, uh, it was just a game. I mean, and then it became, it's a multi, multi million dollar business now. It's a big, big business. So he, I don't know that he would enjoy seeing the game the way it is today. Maybe he'd enjoy his talent, but I don't know if he, he ever thought it would ever get this big. And I'm telling you now, he really, yeah, him and Rooney, and you know, there were there were about five of them, and I can't name them all now anymore. Guy up in Green Bay, I mean, they they all started this whole thing, and I think they had a great idea, 
But their vision could have never been to what it's been. Wow. The National Football League, they time out. It's big. Wow. And it's big and it's good and it's, you know, it, it, it provides tremendous opportunities for all people. Race, color, religion, doesn't matter, you know. You got, you got an opportunity. So he was more the visionary. He was a true believer in what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. Was he, was he a diehard fan of the game as well? Did he have the love of the game or not really? He loved the game. Well, he, he loved the game, the game as his well. whole life. That's what I'm saying. Football so he was had his that whole, The Bears Got were it. his whole life. Got it. I mean, that's all, I mean that, that's all he cared about. I mean, sure, he, I mean, he, had, uh, he became a successful man in business too, but he really cared about football. That's good to hear. Yeah. That's good the to NFL. hear. Buddy Ryan, how, how was, what was Buddy Ryan's strength? Buddy Ryan was a great coach. His strength was he did it his way. He, uh, he figured out a long time ago, if, if he could bring more people than you could block, you were going to have a problem. If he could bring, bring more, more people than you block, so he's purely blitz all the time. So, so what, no, what, exactly, he blitz a lot. Now, when we, he played a defense called the 54 defense. People don't know what it is. You couldn't play it today because it, what would happen if you played it today, they'd spread you out and they'd really screw you up. But the, everybody thought when, when you played Buddy's defense, you, the, the key thing was to protect, which it was. Mm. You had to protect the quarterback, so they would bunch everybody up. That's what he wanted. So the only way you could do it was to spread them out. Now you would know who was going. So now you'd end up with a linebacker coming a slot receiver. Now you got the advantage, but the ball's got to come out quick. There's no question about it. So Buddy's really changed. I, I, I think it really changed the way offenses were played because people didn't no longer bunch them up. We found that out. We went down and we played Miami and Coach Shula. And the first thing they did, they went to a three receiver set on us. And I think it was Nate, Nat Moore was in the slot, and uh, we got a linebacker cover him. Hello, that doesn't work. So they beat us that night. The evolution of the game, things changed. Buddy's defense was fantastic. If you thought you had to keep everybody in and block it, you couldn't. You had to spread it out. Now what you're going to you're going to get mismatches in, in the coverage, mm -hmm. and that's the only way you could you could defend uh, uh, beat it. Was that the conflict that you guys would have? Was that, is that maybe? Well, we had no conflict. That, that was all overdrawn. I mean, uh, when Buddy wanted to go, he thought he should have been the head coach of the Bears when I was hired. That's, that, that's no problem. Let me ask you this. You think you and him could have coexisted for many years? I could have coexisted, yeah. I could have. But, uh, I think he could have, too, yeah. But I think it was time. He, want, he, needed, he wanted to be a head coach, and I, I think he, uh, he wanted to do things his way. And, and uh, you know, we had an opportunity in Philadelphia. You know, it's interesting. Last year, I took uh, 80 of our executives to New York, and uh, we rented out the entire Ohika Castle. It's a nice place. We rent out the entire place, the 32 bedrooms. And I had all our guys sit there in a room, and we watched the 85 Bears together. And we talked about it for three hours, because there's so much to learn from that, that season. There is so many different elements on leadership, on unifying, on overcoming personalities, on overcoming challenges, on understanding the bigger picture, on realizing somebody needs to rise up in the locker room, mm. be a flag carrier. Uh, well, you know, people don't understand the football team. As great as our defense was, our offense controlled the ball. We t time of possession, we, mm. we led the league in time mm -hmm. of possession, we led the league in first downs. Now, you say, well, that, that doesn't, and, and we led the league in scoring too, but that was a lot of that was because of where the defense got us the football. There's no question about that. But you've got to complement one with the other, and the same with special team. If you have a great defense and offense and your special team stink, you're going to get in trouble. You may not lose all the game, but you're going to lose the majority of them come to the special team. So, I, you know, we wouldn't have won without Buddy. There's no question about that. Our defense was the reason we won, but our offense did a pretty good job. Did you watch the documentary? Or like, do you sit there ever watch it again? Or no, you don't watch it yourself? No, I, I didn't watch it. I, I, you know, 
You really, you haven't watched it? I don't think I've ever seen it. That's the past, you know. We, we have a hard time dealing with the day-to-day -day things we deal with every day, but uh, that's the past. And boy, it was, it was wonderful. Man, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful to the league and the Bears and, and, and the whole thing. But that's my past now. I'm no longer a part of that. I mean, uh, and I enjoy watching uh, the NFL and the Bears, and mm. I still pull for them. But uh, you know, it's not the same. You know, it, it's, I guess I, I, I'll grow it. I've got to. Well, I tell you, as a fan, you know, and I'm not even a Bears fan, but as a fan, kind of seeing, oh. you, I'm not. I'm 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 an LA guy. So as a fan. Uh, uh, watching you guys they coming up, in LA. they they have they have something. They gave up a good player to you guys. You stole them from us, right? Who uh, who else? Your, your defense on Chicago Bears. You know who he is, Khalil. Oh, here, I mean, oh, yeah, Mac. Mac. Yeah, he. Well, of course, he's a heck of a football player. He's a great football. Well, player. you think Rudin did a right job giving it up, or you think he well, had a choice? Here, here, here. But w what is the reason? I mean, one man can't make a football team, but he can make the players around him a hell of a lot better. He's a special There's one. No, they don't I know. Come on, that's a I once agree. in a lifetime. I agree, agree with you. But, you know, if you're going to play against, uh, and, and, and I, I agreed. You know, when, I, when the Bears got him, I said, boy, that's a lot to give up. I watched him play. He makes everybody better. That's what I'm saying. Now, you don't find too many people to so do that. So why would you give him up? Do you, do you know anything we don't know? Like, is there anything you know that we don't know? Is it everything that we've read ourselves? Because that's... That's that's a guy I, that can keep think, for ten I, the years. The only thing I I could think is money, and the money yeah. the, it's not the coach's money anyway. It's the owner's money, so why worry about it? We lost a guy that could potentially end up being loved and adored by Chicago. Who he is? This guy's give, over the next, if he stays here five, six, seven years, and he has a healthy career. This guy can have a very nice status in this city. Well, with his career, if I was him, I would want to be in this city for my whole career and. Uh, make it my home and do all the right things and uh, I think he will. So 85 when you were you know when you guys did what you did and you were crushing it you're the, you're the face of Chicago would you go watch Chicago Bulls games were you following also what Jordan was doing were you kind of seeing his stuff or not really it was yeah. just more yeah. you were? Yeah I, 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 when I when I started out in Chicago and I came here in 61 I knew crap about this and that but uh, I had a friend uh, who was a great hockey fan so I became a very big Chicago Blackhawks fan and a hockey fan period and he used to have, his seats were right behind the Hawks net. Now, people say, well, that's not a good seat. Well, when you sat there, you know, the players come up and they hit the glass with the, with the stick. Mm -hmm. All of them, you know, Makita Hall, all the guys, they were just, they were all good friends. We go, you know, they, and after, and nobody, nobody, and I'm not saying this out of school, in those days, nobody drank beer like hockey players. Because they, they, they dehydrated <laughs> so much on the ice. So, so we'd go out, we'd, we'd have a few beers afterward, and, uh, it, it was just fun. I, I really enjoyed being around those guys because, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, the most heralded sport at that time, but those guys, it's so hard to do what they do on the ice. You know, they're on skates, first of all, and then uh, to, to, uh, to put out the efforts they put out and, and the conditioning they have to be in to do it. Unbelievable. So 87 season starts. I think this is the season of strike. You come out, you beat the Giants, I think 34-10, some number like that, and then you go against Tampa Bay, you beat them 21-10. You're two and on them, boom, strike takes place, right? And then there's all this controversy, you know, I like the new players, forget the names, it's the same guys, these guys fight, I like these guys, you're not a union guy, okay, so. I screwed I, up. I, uh, yeah, no, but that's not the question I'm asking. But the part I'm trying to say, so that's what happened then, right? Today, it's similar things are happening today in the NFL. Yeah. These guys may be going through that again, right, with the game. They may go through it on collective bargain agreement. What advice do you have, you know, for today? If NFL is watching right now, saying, "Hey, the players are watching right, the coaches, owners, GMs, all these guys, 
What can you see them not doing that the mistakes that was made during that time for them to prevent happening? Well, I, I think the game, it means so much to so many people. I mean, so many people get so much out of the game, including the fans. I mean, you think about the vendors. I mean, what, what, what a game on Sunday generates to, to a community. Uh, it, it, it would be, to me, it would be silly to, to strike over, for what, I don't know what reason it would be. I don't think it would be the money. I don't know what it could be. I mean, I, they make a lot of money. I mean, I don't know. Everybody can't make the most, but, you know, they, everybody does pretty good in football. They make a lot of money. Uh, it's a great game. I mean, they got the, uh, they got the adoration of the fans. I mean, uh, TV. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's so much good about it. I, I just, to me, if I was a player today, and I'm saying this, I don't know because I, I probably would not do it, but I said I would play the game as hard as I could, enjoy it, and and I look forward to when the hell I got out of it. And I hope I got out one piece. What was the reason for the strike in '87? Like, what what caused it? I didn't think it was money, wasn't it? It uh, they wanted the bigger cut of the uh, thing. I think it came down to that. I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Whose side can I be on? I'm on the player's side. But you know, come on. You know. I, I told you what I, I made playing football, so a lot of that I don't understand. I mean, if you weren't playing football, you could not even approach this type of salary. I, I, I don't know, you know, when you look at both sides of it, I probably, uh, probably could have done a better job of defending the players than I did, but, you know, hey, I, 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 and I said when we, uh, we had, uh, what did we had? It was makeshift players. And I, I said, I'll coach whoever we have, and we'll play, and we'll see what and happens. they played hard for you. Well, here's what happened, too. And we won a couple games mm -hmm. that really made us uh, get in the playoffs that year because of what, what the, the, whatever they called those players did. They did a good job. And a couple of them stuck with us, too. They played special teams, stuck with us. So, I mean, you know, there's no right and wrong in this, guys. You know, if we, could, we had a perfect way to do it, sure, I'd do it different or I'd think different. I don't know. I really don't. At that time... You know, I felt like, how the hell can you not want to, you know, play football? For, you know, and, and I mean, I understood maybe, well, maybe the, there can't be that big a discrepancy in salaries. These guys are all making good money. And that's the only thing that bothered me. So, Would you say 85 was the best moment for you when you guys won it as a head coach or more as a player? 63 or 85, both of them you're winning. Which well, one was, was it different? Was it was one better than the other? I think, you know, as a player, it's kind of an individual thing, but when you do it as a coach, it's an organizational thing. And I think that's what I was so proud of, most of all, the organization and everybody. I mean, to see the pride that was, you know, uh, when you w went in there and I listened to the receptionist, uh, hey, hello, this is a, mm. you know, this is a Chicago Bears world champion. Yep. You know, it, it, there's so much pride involved with that. and. Uh, I, you know, I thought I thought we brought a lot of pride to Chicago, and I'm proud of that. You know, the same thing the Cubs do. Yeah. You know, the Sox. Oh. I mean, uh, the yeah, Cubs. You know, the, the Cubs. You know, I mean, my goodness, it's still. You know, it's still. Uh, it's crazy it's right now. I mean, I bite my nails for Joe, but uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. I hope so. It'll be good. It'll be interesting if the Bears uh, make a run. You know, right now I think you're what you're two and one. Yeah. And they're having some good talks about uh, what's going on there, but. You know, uh, g going back to the football side right now, obviously you're hearing about what's going on with uh, uh, Kaepernick. And so when the Kaepernick situation took place, before I talk about the Nike thing to see what you think about that, the question I want to ask you from is this. Kaepernick kneels. I'm not going to ask you whether you agree or not because you've already said publicly what do you think about that. Say you're his coach and you're the owner, okay? He kneels. First time he does that. What are you doing that night? What are you doing that Monday? 
are you speaking to the owner? What should have the coaches and the team done from the 49ers standpoint? Well, I would ask, I would speak to him first of all. Coach, player. To the player. Okay. And I'd say, why? Why? This is the only country in the world that the sport is played. I mean, what, what are, you, are you mad at the country? Are you mad at the flag? Mm -hmm. Who the hell are you mad at? That's all. Just tell me who you're mad at. Are there inequities? Well, he tells you are there inequities? Yeah. Sure. I mean, there might be inequities, but not very many. So, what is he mad at? Who the police? I mean, I, I don't know what you're talking about. We're a country of law and order. We always should be, and always will be. I mm -hmm. hope. I'm not saying that what he did is right, wrong, or nothing. I think there's a better way to express yourself. I, I think you let down your organization, let down your teammates. That's that, that's what I think. So you know, I think a lot is being put on the on him because he's a 23 year old guy. Okay, so he sees social media to take advantage of it. So you're saying if you were the coach, you'd have a one-on-one. -on -one. What do you think the owners, how much involvement in a situation like that should an owner take, or should they at all? So as an owner, would the owner typically, because I don't know what it is, you've been a coach before, you talk to the owner, do you say, hey, Hallis, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. Does well, he Hallis, say- Hallis wouldn't have taken it all. From him? No. But I know it's a different legal yeah, plan today. Been out of Dodge. You know, today's all about corporate social responsibility, so. You're asking me about Hallis. The guy would be out of Dodge. Oh, seriously? Seriously. Seriously. Out of Dodge, yes. Would you say that would be the case with most owners during the 80s? I, I think that would be true. I really do. I really do. Hmm. Uh, I don't know that I can say that. He's going to speak for everybody. With Coach Hallis, I've said that he would be out of Dodge. He would be gone. And then that, that's just him. That make him right or wrong. It just That's the way he... You know, listen. It, it, there's got to be a... You know, there's got to be a loyal to... If you have a job and somebody hires you to do that job, there's got to be a certain amount of loyalty to those people who hire you, and the league. I mean, if, if I mean, what's what's his loyalty then? Where's it to? I mean, he, he said it wasn't to the country. So what the hell is it to? I don't know. So you know, I don't have an answer for it. But I don't agree with it. I, all I'm all I'm trying to figure out is here's how I'm processing it. I'm processing it, saying, okay, say he did what he did. But the people in leadership positions, why didn't they take the lead? Okay, so say you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation Public with Public opinion, they're afraid of it. That's a problem. I, exactly. That's a problem, well, though. I mean, that's, that's their problem. Okay, so go to the other one, Godel. Could Roger, Roger Godel done it in a different way? Should he have handled it in a different way? What is the involvement of a guy like him? He gets paid a $200 million over five years. Private jet, he gets all this other stuff, right? He's getting paid to do that. What is his role? Could he have prevented this thing to become what it is today? Well, I, I don't know. What, what, what would he have done? I mean, you're talking about in the Kaepernick case? I'm talking about what if Roger calls the Kaepernick and says, bring him in, and the, they sit down and say, what's your frustration? What are you doing about it? And then, hey, if this is what it is, as a corporate social responsibility, why don't we make a statement that we're all aligned on the same page? That's the part I see with Roger, because he thought for himself, at least my processing from the outside, you know what, I think this is gonna be done, we're gonna get over it in six months, no one's even gonna think about it. But that's not what happened. Oh, no. So it got bigger and bigger and bigger. So could Roger have gotten involved earlier and had a conversation with the management team and the ownership team and himself to see what he's frustrated about and then talk to the other guys, Troy Vincent, maybe we can figure something out and that wasn't done. Yeah, you know, in retrospect say, yeah, I probably could have, but I don't know that. I really, you know, it, it's, it's hard to me to be sympathetic for, uh, not appreciating the opportunities you have as a professional athlete. Uh, I just think it's special. I mean, uh, you're, you're gifted, first of all, by having the size and the body and the mind to be able to do that stuff. And then, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, but somebody has to tell me, what are you protesting? I don't know, I still haven't heard that. 
Nobody told me what he's protesting. What? I don't know. I, it, it, I, just tell me what you're protesting. I'm, then I have a better chance of understanding. The flag? The only, the, only, the only country that supports Platon is here. I mean, you know, is it perfect? No, but it beats the hell out of about 99.9% .9 of the other ones that aren't, uh, you know, so. I, I don't have an answer for it. I'm just saying, I, 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 I think there's a better way to do it than what he did it. I don't know. So. Yeah, the only reason I ask is because I don't think it's going to stop. I, I think this is, the, I think Kaepernick's going to be the beginning of many of these other issues that's going to happen as well because of social media. You know, the game is a different game today than back then. Back then, Michael Jordan, they asked him, they said, so, you know, who are your customers, Republicans or Democrats? He says, both of them. I'm not, not going to take a position politically because I'm going to have both. But today, LeBron takes a position because of social media. It's almost as if the social media is pressuring players to take positions today while back then it wasn't as critical because you guys would just play, come down, you would do your press conference, you're gone, you go home to your family. You wouldn't be tweeting all night and people wondering what you're thinking about. Your thoughts would stay with you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that, I, that you know, you're, you, you make a good point there, you know, when you, uh, uh, I don't have an answer for it. I really don't. Uh, it's, uh, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is football would have been exciting when Twitter was around if you were playing. Because you would be on Twitter saying stuff. No, I wouldn't. I, can, I don't know how to do I that can, stuff. But I'm saying, let's just say if Twitter was around and you got a 28-year-old Mike Ditka, you know, what would you be saying? I can't believe Hallis, you know, would, you know, what would an emotional person like you, so maybe somebody from their generation may be saying, well, how do you know how he's going to handle it? He didn't know how Twitter was. You know, like even husband and wife fights nowadays, right? Before you got into a fight with your wife, you're leaving work. You know what? You're working late again. I can't believe this, 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 this. Click, you got a 40 minute drive home. Today, click, the entire drive is text, 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 text. So everything I want to tell you, I've already told you on text. Rather before, by the time I come home, I'm over it. Uh -huh. I've had a drink, I'm calm, maybe it's gonna change it. I don't know how much of an effect social media is having in what we're facing today. Well, can I tell you something? I'd love to hear. It has no effect in my life because I don't pay attention to one bit of it. I'm not on social media. Zero. Well, I mean, what do you mean, texting? No, I no, text. not texting. Twitter, no, Facebook. No, I'm not on that. So, not, no interest. No. What do you think about the guy that we call the Commander in Chief of America, who is a master Twitter guy? You know, that's he his communicates you know, I, the way he does it. it. That's his prerogative. Yeah. I'm not. I don't. I, I I would choose to communicate with anybody, person to person. You, you want to know my opinion? Ask me, and I'll tell you. Yeah. But I don't. I want to put it out there for the world to see. Because I, you know, it's. I don't think. I, first of all, I don't think my opinion is that that important. You know, but I have one. I mean, you know, opinions like noses. We all have one, you know. Yeah. Some of them run more than others, that's all. I saw your wife say in an interview, she said, you know, uh, Mike says yes to everybody. You know, yes, I, I, let, let's sit down and talk. Yes, you know, when, when, at that time when you're coming up, you were wanting to help out a lot of people. So business-wise, you were coming out. And then some advisors were saying, well, you know, you may want to say no, you know, to what you're saying. I'm just wondering. I'm thinking, knowing the way you're wired, how would a coach Ditka be with social media? Would it be any different? I guess we'll never know. You know, I guess we'll never know. I, no, I don't want to get involved. I mean, I, I'm not criticizing the people yeah. with social media. They want to do whatever they want to do. But I mean, I thought there was a thing that, you know, your life was your own. Why wouldn't you want to keep it private? I mean, why, why does everybody have to know what you're, and, and to me, that's about ego. Do you want people to know, wow, I've done this and I, well, who the hell cares? I don't.
Maybe they do, but I don't. Today, today is a different time. Today, everybody wants to know what you're thinking about. Uh, so, 04, here's a question for you for 04. I think 04, yeah, obviously the city loves you. They've, they've called you a lot of different names, but yeah. they loved you and they wanted you to run for mayor one time. And I think 04, there was some rumors about you running for Senate. Did you like, did you ever have aspirations no. for Paul? Oh, never. So you never, so this is what people said, but you never wanted to run no, at all. No, they, they, uh, wow. they tried to, brought it up, uh, run for Senate against uh, 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 Barack Obama. And I said, no, I have no desire to. And I never, never really thought about it. And, and I don't, I mean, I'm not a politician. I don't profess to be, but I do profess to be a great American. And, and I believe in this country. Uh, is it perfect? Nope. But I tell you what, it's a hell of a lot better than anything else I've seen, so. I'm, I'm somebody that agrees with that side myself. This is, we're here now from Iran, and uh, I'm a diehard fan of what this country offers, and I speak about it all the time, but asking you, what do you think makes this country as special as it does? Well, I think, first of all, opportunity. I don't care who you are, where you come from, nationality, color, creed, you, you have a chance to attain the highest office in the country. Mm -hmm. You can grow to anything. You can be anything you want to be. You, you can. Uh, you look at the athletes coming in, the, the baseball players, mm -hmm. uh, the Hispanic baseball players, uh, the African-Americans, the whites. I mean, th these kids, I don't think they were born with a, with a silver spoon in their mouth. I mean, they worked hard. They are born in the ghettos of uh, New York and Boston, mm -hmm. and Chicago, and, and, uh, and they've risen up, you know. I'm amazed. I played a lot of baseball as a kid and growing up, and, and I thought I was a pretty good baseball player at one time. To watch these guys play that sport right now, Wow, wow, are they good, are they good. And I, you know, my all-time hero, Stan Musial, one of the greatest players that ever played the game with the Cardinals, it was my, my childhood hero. And uh, there's uh, 200 Stan Musials now, honestly. I mean, not, not as a person, I'll never wow. be a Stan Musial as a person. But I mean, the way they hit and mm. do things, it's, it's amazing to watch these guys. Uh, and I'm, when the bat swings, I mean, it doesn't look like they're swinging hard, but that ball goes a heck of a long way. So I really enjoy watching baseball. Then I'm going to go home and watch the Cubs, too. You really enjoy watching baseball? I do. Okay. I do, but I watch all sports. Got it. I watch all sports. I mean, if tennis was on, I watch that. Ryder Cup, I love golf. I love to watch that. And you got countries, uh, you know, Europe and the U.S. I mean, it's a great competition. But still, the thing is, it's an individual competition, but it's a team competition. I kind of like that. Jerry West says he has a hard time watching basketball because Jerry was, you know, the logo of the NBA. He has a hard time watching basketball because he sees it from the eyes of a, the game, like a perfect game. Like, oh my gosh, you missed the screen, you missed this. When you watch football, are you super critical of seeing things that you would have done differently? No. Like, it, or is it, it easy for you to watch it and enjoy the game? I'm not critical. I, I, I just don't like uh, the behavior of some players who act like fools. But other than that, I, nothing bothers me. I mean, uh, you Got call it. a play with the idea it's gonna work. Some of them don't work, some of them do work and you call it for a reason. Uh, but I got to tell you one story now. You, don't, you didn't know this, and probably a lot of people don't, but they should, you should know this. Uh, when I was a, a sophomore at Pitt, I played baseball, football, and basketball. And I played basketball for Pitt. And we played at West Virginia my sophomore year. And we had two kids on the team from Kentucky, and they were pretty good players, but they both fouled out. So I went in in the late in the second quarter and I had a guard, a guy named Jerry West. Come on. They asked him years later uh, if he remembered it. He said, yeah. He said, I was afraid I wouldn't have a pro career when I, that guy got done. <laughs> but, uh, he was so good, it was scary. I mean, and hey, I'm a football player. I'm not, I mean, well, I would, you know, but, uh, 
But anyways, it, it, it was interesting. So that was my claim to fame. I guarded Jerry West for two minutes, four fouls, and probably about 10 points. Wow. You figured out. <laughs> wow. In your opinion, who's the greatest quarterback of all time? There is no such thing. Really? Yeah. So you don't even think you sit there and say well, greatest you, quarterback you, of all time? Money. What these guys are doing today is incredible. But Johnny Knight was pretty good. You cannot tell me there's a Dan greatest Reno quarterback of all time. Dan Reno was pretty good. Tom can't. Brady's pretty good. But who's the greatest? A big difference. I don't know. There is no such do you, thing. Do you, do you do anything with baseball on that or not at all? Right? Well, the best center fielder. You're not going to say Willie Mays or Griffey? Or, I mean, you say best left fielder. You're not going to say Bonds on the left field? First baseman. You're not going to pick a name for first base or pitcher? Maybe Ryan well, or I'm, Randy I'm or Clements? That, I'm probably not that good, good a, a baseball fan to be able to do that, but I... I would Let say, me ask I would say Willie Mays, for sure. Let me ask you in a different way. You're putting a football uh, team together. I'm going to give you positions, you pick the players. It's not even the greatest. Okay. Quarterback. Who's your quarterback? Pick your quarterback. Well, I think, that, you know, that depends. I mean, there's so many good ones out there. Give me one. You got it. You got This is your draft pick, okay? We're playing draft pick. You have first pick, quarterback. You need a quarterback. Who are you taking? They have to be playing right now? No. Can be in the past. I'd take Peyton Manning. Wow. Okay. Running back, who would you take? Walter Payton. Hands down. Without question. Without a question. Tight end. Well, uh, well, there's a lot of them, but I'd probably take John Mackey. Old school. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Receiver. Well, I played with a guy, Johnny Morris, who caught 93 passes way back. The one you did 70, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he was pretty good. I mean, but I mean, there's so many good receivers. I mean, I, I had a kid. Uh, I, you know, I had Willie Gall who had speed. I had Dennis McKinnon who was just the toughest guy. I, I would take Dennis McKinnon. I, because I know what if I, if I threw the ball in his area, he was going to make every effort to make, to make that catch. And if I said, you know what, you got to block that safety or that linebacker, he'd go in and block him. Now receivers mm. don't do that anymore. Come mm. on, they don't do that. That's so true because yeah. they're yeah, but they got a no contact contact. Yeah, yeah. That's right. How about linebacker? Well, there's so many of them. You know, I, I played with uh, Butkus, and uh, I don't know that anybody played the middle linebacker position much better, but I played against Nitschke all those years. He was fantastic. Uh, I had Singletary. Uh, he was kind of the, uh, a cerebral combination of those guys. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I named three of them there, I, but I'm, I'm forgetting people now. You know, I go back. You know, I played against Chuck Bednarik. Come on, you know, that's how far back I go. So uh, there were a lot of them that could really play the game and play the position. But, uh, well, Kaznitsky, because he killed me. He beat me up. But, uh, <laughs> and Singletary, because I, I, I think Singletary ranks with, all the, with any of the all-time great football players. He, was, he seemed like a leader. He seemed like a guy he that was he was a, a captain oh, leading he was his a people leader, and yeah. talking he, to them and he was calling leader. plays, calling yeah, And shots. he led by example, too, not by words. He seems like that yeah, guy. Yeah. He seems like that guy. Coach, if you had to pick one coach, obviously you can't pick yourself. So if you had to pick one coach, oh, I would never pick myself, anyways. I mean, uh, I, I could. Uh, well, you know, it would be hard to pick because my whole career was centered around two men, and I would pick those two men, Coach Allison and Coach Landry. So you would stay there. Period. And uh, I mean, I, I've uh, I had two opportunities in life were given me that, that it was up to me to make them work. First one was when he drafted me number one. Uh, was Coach Alice, and uh, I made that work. And then uh, I got traded away from the Bears because I became a, a pain in the butt, and uh, I went to Philadelphia for two years, which gave me a lot of humility. And I actually retired from football. I was done, and I got a phone call from Tom Landry, said he just traded for me. And 
it changed my life because I went down to Dallas, got in the best shape of my life, mm. and I became the best team football player I ever was in Dallas. Wow! With the for the team, and I really enjoyed those years. And, and then many, you know, hired me as an assistant coach. So you know, history's history. I mean, he called me in the day I. Uh, he said, uh, he said, how do you know how? Uh, how do you like this coaching? And I said, I, I like it. I said, I've learned a lot from you, and I mm. like it. He said, Well, I just had a call from George Hallis, and I said, well, Really? He said, I think he wants to hire you to coach the Bears. And I, and I, you know, that was shocking because I never expected that. And uh, and I and I and I looked at him and I said, Do you think I'm ready? And he said, You're ready. Wow. That was it. That was all. Wow. That was simple. So he. And he might have wanted to get rid of me. <laughs> but, uh, so he gave you the blessing. Yeah, but he he did, and and. Uh, He's such a magnificent man, I really, and uh, it, I had so many great years in Dallas because of him, and uh, it was very fun. Yeah, and so the, the press conference, I think it was January 20th, 1982, with you and Hallis. It's a very, very special press conference when you watch it. You can feel the emotions. Like, first of all, your eyes in that press conference, it's fire. You got so much fire behind those eyes, like you want to prove a point. Well, this, this is was, my was, city, was, I'm here, I'm going to come through. Yeah. You know, what do you do with the opportunities you have in life? Sometimes we squander them, sometimes we take advantage of them. But, you know, the things that had to be done, you know, the cover when I came here was not bare. And I've told people, but what it required was putting some other people in the right places, and we did that through the draft. And one, whether people like it or not, was to get a quarterback, and it was McMahon. Mm. And if a lot of people didn't like, I liked him. You know why? He was a gamer. He, was, he would give you whatever he had, he gave it to you. You know, you may, you may think he was nuts at times, which I did, and he thought I was nuts too, but he gave you what he had, and he was smart on the football field. He was really a lot smarter than he acted or he led on to be. And he's, he was a leader, and he wanted to win. He like, you got that way. feel. He, he got a different our style. Our line yeah. loved him. And they, wanted, they did everything they could to protect him. Our line loved him. Those guys loved him. And, they, and that's the main thing. If you're a quarterback, your line better love you. Coach, final thoughts here. You've had a lot of different experiences, but you're, you're a guy that's experienced mental toughness, emotional toughness, competitive edge. What will be your final thoughts for somebody that wants to play at the highest level in their league? Well, I, I would tell anybody, I don't care what you, you're doing, you're coming out, uh, as a youngster and you have ambitions and dreams of being this or that, set your goals high. But if you do that, be willing to work so hard to reach those goals. It's not going to be easy. You know, <laughs> whatever your goal, somebody else is going to probably have the same goal. You've got to work hard. You've got to commit yourself to it. And, 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 and you know, that means practice, uh, doing the things, staying longer, uh, doing the things that normally when the other guys are gone or maybe they went out to get a beer, you're sticking around doing. And uh, that makes a difference. It really does. Mm -hmm. you, know, you look at great baseball players. You think they, they took the one batting practice? I think they were in there slugging a lot more, you know. I, and that's what I really believe. And because if you're a good, good hitter, you like to hit. So you like to be in that bad cage. But uh, I, 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 I just think that the, the commitment you make to, to your, the effort and the effort you put into it are going to be the defining factors of what you achieve. I love that. Well, uh, first of all, I uh, so much enjoyed the time with you. You're kidding me. Uh, no, I'm not, man. I really enjoyed it. I'm telling you right now, I enjoyed it. I know your wife is sitting over there as well, watching the interview, making sure uh, uh, 
uh, the conversations we're having well, is... Uh, I enjoyed my time with you. What do you got there? Look at them. This is a Folex. <laughs> it's a Folex. Some call it a Rolex, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but I enjoyed the time with you, really. You know, it, 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 as a fan, as a kid growing up, I'm telling you, I was a fan. Let's all stay kids and never grow up and just keep enjoying it and uh, look, for the, look for the good things in life. Uh, too many times we're looking at the wrong things, boy, I'm telling you. And I find myself doing that, too. I find myself getting critical, and I, well, what reason do I have to be critical mm. of what anybody else does? That's their prerogative. So. And that allows you to enjoy life a little bit more. Getting better at it. <laughs> yeah, it's not perfect, but I'm getting better. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid-David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.